Due to adult content, parental discretion is advised. To begin. Are you watching closely? To begin. I just, I'm bored. To start. What plaything can you offer me today? Here's the deal. Just give me the facts. Just the facts. Only the facts. Breathe. Focus. Keep it simple. No, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Okay, welcome to Cock and Vol Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. A podcast in which, eventually, ostensibly, at some point, we will be talking about the 2005 film Tristram Shandy, a cock and bull story, one minute at a time. Good lord, what is this story all about? Cock and a bull story. Here's your host, me, Robert Black. We're here to talk about Group 14, so we're skipping around a bit. This is Ex Machina versus Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I have a guest with me for this discussion, Thomas. You can introduce yourself if you like. Hi, I'm Thomas Howarth, a previous movie by Miniter who has done a never-ending minute. That was quite fun. And uh, now I stepped away from that and I do a uh, actual play D&D podcast called Crit Stormcast. Yes. I would love to do one of those. I wouldn't want to run it. <laughs> are, you the, are you the DM or are you just a player? I'm a player, but I'm also the editor Better and I, I run things in the background. So I don't have the pressure of doing the DMing stuff, but I do get to do all the other fun stuff. I, I mean, I like DMing, but I have a tendency to, um, when I'm bored, because I have like fifth edition character sheet app on my phone, I'll just make up a character and I'll have an idea for a personality. I'm like, wait, I'm never going to get to play this. Because my other character keeps surviving, you know. I can't. I, I'm playing in one campaign right now, and the character just keeps living. Nice. So it, it's fine. Yeah, I D and D is a good thing to do. Yeah, I've 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 garnered an addiction for it. Yeah. It's bordering on unhealthy. <laughs> you know, I think I play I play at least three games a week. Oh, for different man. characters, different DMs, and different scenarios. So I wish I had. Well, I'd, I would make the time for that. I suppose if I had that many games to play, but uh, at the moment I'm only. In like one group, I used to run a game for a few years, and it ended. And then I was going to start a new campaign, and that was in January. And then it got delayed a little, and then quarantine stuff happened. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing that now. <laughs> yeah, now it's all online stuff. We all get together online. <laughs> so I just play twice a month online right now. Nice. But now we're talking about D and D. I suppose we should. I should, uh, in case listeners suck and haven't seen either of these movies pause this and go watch them first of all yeah if, if you're not watching these if you haven't seen these movies you're doing yourself a disservice yeah. by not watching them they're both outstanding <laughs> yes especially these two i mean some of these pairings i have a weird taste in movies and people might not care for them these are two good ones I mean, ex machina is a science fiction film written and directed by alex garland Last round, it beat out Pump Up the Volume. <laughs> the round before that, it was up against the Spitfire Grill, and I cheated. I kept both and just moved one into a different bracket. The other movie we're talking about today is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is a little science fiction flavor, but mostly it's a very clever take on... I was almost going to say romantic comedy, but it's the comedy is not about the romance. Right. It's It's romance, for sure, but the comedy comes from more of the backward trying to people are erasing a guy's relationship and he as it goes decides he doesn't want to erase written by charlie kaufman directed Look, by can you see my crotch <laughs> yeah <laughs> yuck uh, written by charlie kaufman directed by michelle gondry last round it was up against into the wild i cheated and kept both the round before it beat the lobster never heard of that one the lobster oh oh uh, what's that what's the um Yorgos Lanthimos, do you know that director? Uh, maybe I've seen this stuff. I don't recognize him by name. 
He made Dogtooth. He made The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Last year he made a movie that someone else had written. It was, um, what was it called? It was about like, it was like a period piece. I don't remember. But The Lobster was a, also sort of science fiction about a place you go if you can't, you don't have a relationship, you go to this place and you have, I don't remember what the time limit was. It was like you have a month or something like that to find love or they turn you into an animal. Okay. That was the premise of this first half of the movie. Second half kind of twists into a different plot line, but that was how it starts. And I'm like, I'm in. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> and then I saw it and I loved it, you know, because it's, it's this weird sort of idea that like, similar to Eternal Sunshine Spots Mine in a way, is that the romance is sort of a defining part of who you are. And if you erase that, in the case of Eternal Sunshine, it affects your mood. It affects your ability to be you. Right. And in The Lobster, it literally affects your ability to be a human because they're going to turn you into an animal. So without love, we're all just animals anyway. Yeah. Well, right. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to get technical about it. Now, did you see both of these movies in the theater? I don't believe so. But I have watched them multiple, multiple, multiple times since then. These are both kind of go-to movies that if I'm just chilling out doing something, I'll put these on. But for different reasons. But but yeah, I love both these movies. I've watched them so many times. Yeah, I had Ex Machina on last night and my son walks in the room and is like, again? Mike, what? It was like nine months at least since I watched this, I think. It's fine. The Favorite. That was the other movie Yorgos Lanthimos directed. Ah. Sorry, I have IMDb app right on my phone. Easy to... I access the IMDb app way too much. Yeah. (laughs) I think all minute-by-minute podcasters have that on lock. They, like, permanently uh, searching stuff on there to see interconnectivity and such. I I talked about this. This would have been last episode, but I I have, like, Letterboxd and IMDb right on my main screen. And now I have Just Watch, which is a thing where you can see what platform can I watch a movie on. Oh, yeah. And lately I've found a bunch of movies that aren't on there because they're low-budget pieces of crap, but... It's way too useful. I spend way too much time on it. Yeah, fortunately, both these movies I own, so I didn't have to uh, go looking for them. I could just watch them. I don't actually own Ex Machina, I think, because it's new enough that digital stuff already existed, and it's been on Netflix. I just never bothered buying it. Yeah. I will, by next year, buy it, because I uh, sort of announced unofficially, or I guess officially. Yeah, I saw your your announcement. It's It's in the spreadsheet. I announced I'm doing I'm doing it after after I finish Annihilation. I'm gonna do uh, Minutia Ex Machina. I love the name. I'm gonna do a minute by minute of this movie because watching it again, I was amazed at how. I mean, there's certain parts that I had noticed before because I wrote about it for a week in my blog, like little things like when she puts clothes on, even before she's out by Caleb, she's doing these weird things with her hands where she's acting like a person. Oh, definitely. Even though no one's watching her, yeah, she's not playing for him. Like, she's being really coy about, like, grabbing the edges of her sweater, straightening her dress. And I noticed even more of things like that last night. And I'm like, I've seen this movie a bunch of times now. It's really cool that I'm still noticing little bits, like the way expressions and different things they do. Uh, Like, even the way the camera lined up when, I think it's in his uh, Kalo's first conversation with Ava, the crack that Jade left in the glass is lined up with the top of Caleb's hair. Uh-huh. And so at first you can't see it because it kind of blends in with his hair and the camera moves slightly and there's cracks over his head. And I'm like, that's really cool. <laughs> like, like, ah, oh, I love it. I mean, I did a YouTube video just breaking down. I think it was 30 seconds of the movie and it was like a half hour video. <laughs> <laughs> I actually read some of the stuff you blogged about on it recently or last night. Oh, and that got so dense too. <laughs> 
because I was in grad school at the time and getting really into like gender roles and all this other stuff. And it's like, right. The programming that society puts on you, the programming the director and the writer put on you. And here's the programming the characters are putting on each other. I did like labeling them as levels of programming and weirdly consistent over the course of that week, but so dense. But last night I'm like, I have ideas on how I could do this show too and keep up that sort of density and have like side sound things that come in and read definitions of odd stuff when it comes up. And, oh, nice. Uh, it's going to be way too much fun. I got to figure out a way to be really dense and maybe have guests too. Cause like Annihilation has been not guest friendly. Yeah. Like there aren't going to be guests on that show. I don't even say my own name on that show. <laughs> I don't promote websites or anything. It just is. Yeah. I, I couldn't do what you do. I can't just sit and talk about something and go. I kind of have, I'm the kind of the personality that I have to play off something else or yeah. it would just be something that was unlistenable. I, I like doing both. I, I don't know if I could do just one version. Like Annihilation is like pre-written word for word and I read it and edit it. It's fine. My, this morning, the ep- it would be last week's episode of this show was just me going off script and it was still a 35 minute recording. It'll be shorter when I edit it. But me talking for 35 minutes with no one else around, I'm like, I don't know how I went that long. Because yeah, there's another podcast I listen to, and he's always with somebody, but he started putting out mini vignettes of him talking about other movies, and it's just him. And I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> how do you just sit and talk about something without any feedback in your conversation? I, I, I It blows me away. I, I can get into a weird place where it gets really easy. I think the blog helped with that. Cause like, and you teach as well, don't you? True. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of got that going for you. I'm used to talking. Yeah. And I, and a lot of time I teach high school students that are taking college classes. And so they're not used to having to talk a lot. Right. It's not a conversation there either. <laughs> and so it's like, I'm constantly trying to get them to talk. And so I'm talking so much more than I want to. I don't like giving like a lecture. I teach speech classes, you know, they're there to talk. But yeah, I'm used to it, I think. Right. And podcasting is an easy way of just doing that. And you got to edit it and clean it up. And that's tedious sometimes. But overall, it's so fun. So when you were watching it this time, did you have any new thoughts uh, for Dex Wankana? Um, I was, because I was posting my, the things I'd written about it, I was really thinking about the perspective that Caleb is AI himself. Oh, when he rips into his arm, yeah. when he's so unsure of himself, uh-huh. like just losing your own identity in that moment for that deeply. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, I mean, even operating under the assumption he is a human, that moment, that like disassociation of identity is a big thing in that movie. And it's, I, I don't know if this was in my blog or if it was something I said to someone last night when I was watching it, but like, there's a certain point in the movie where it doesn't matter if he's an AI, because as soon as he had that moment of doubt, there's no difference. Right. Like between the AI and him. Ava is an AI. We know that. We've seen her body. We've seen the internal workings of it. And yet she is desperate to escape because she doesn't want to die. That's a very human thing. He's in there trying to like impress the, the boss essentially. Right. And then he gets attracted to this woman who is, he knows is a robot, but he's in. And whether he's an AI or a human, the effect is the same. Right. And I love that because the movie, I think, implies a lot that he it wants you to assume there's a chance he is an AI because the beginning of the movie, especially. Oh, yeah. When it's we're introduced to him doing the screen stuff on his face. Yeah. And well, and that scene has no purpose. He wins a contest. We don't know who he is yet. Right. It could have started 
in the helicopter. It could have started with him arriving at the house. But it starts in this incomplete little moment that we don't understand and could be the implication that they literally just turned him on. Yeah, and it, it's paired with the fact that the whole scene, he's staring very blankly at his screen. Mm -hmm. Everything is going on around him, and he's doing nothing. Yeah. And he's – so I – this one thing I did write about my blog is him being awkward is actually better programming for passing a Turing test. The, they had an AI a few years back. It was in one of the blogs. I mentioned it. That it pretended to be a foreign 12-year-old uh -huh. so that when it worded things in an awkward way – no one thought that was that weird. Yeah. Because it's like, English isn't my first language, and I'm young. And it's like, oh, okay. It's fine. We'll, we'll play along with you. Eugene Gustman accomplished something very controversial. He passed the Turing test. At an event hosted by the Royal Society of London, Gustman, which was actually a computer program that claimed to be a 13-year-old Ukrainian boy, fooled 10 out of 30 judges into thinking that he was human after chatting with each one of them one-on-one -on -one for five minutes. In doing so, he passed the famous Turing test, as described by the code-breaking computer genius Alan Turing in 1950. In my own sense, it was different watching it this time because there's an app called Replica, which... Uh, apparently was originally made so that you could literally make a digital replica of yourself to do projects for you online. That was the idea. Okay. It's become more of a play thing now where you create a person and then you can have conversations with them. That's so Black Mirror. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I downloaded it a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, this is interesting. I'm going to see what this is like. I still have it on my phone and I've talked to that AI a few times. And I'm like, it's weird how Badly, it can fuck up a conversation sometimes, and then it's amazing how other times it's weirdly insightful. Right. Because it doesn't, it's not real. <laughs> Have you gone to it for advice yet? That's the question. <laughs> <laughs> no. Although it is programmed, they have a thing where you can select certain conversations. It has like quarantine conversation, COVID-19 fears, and so they have programmed conversations that it can kind of help you deal with pressure and anxiety and stuff like that. Well, that's interesting, almost like a, a therapy of sorts. Yeah, so it can be that, but but then I'm like, at what point does it matter if you're talking to a fake thing if you keep talking to it? So what do you think that the programmer could have done differently to for Ava, like to make it so that this whole scenario didn't play out the way it did? Well, that depends. Because you mean, oh my god, what is his name? I just hit a blank on the other characters. You and me Caleb both. That's why I said the programmer. That's why you said the programmer, yeah. It's another biblical thing. Nathan. Nathan, yes. And it was from something from the book of Genesis. It might be Exodus. I forget who Nathan is. Been a while since I was in Bible class. <laughs> if You mean Nathan. Yeah. It depends. Because if Caleb is an AI, then his mistake was literally what he wanted to do in the first place, which is make an AI that is more human than it's supposed to be. Right. Because he tricks him. He gets him drunk, and then the next day is recorded saying, oh, I'm going to get him drunk and do all this stuff. And he already did it. You know, spoilers. Yeah. Which is brilliant, because, yeah, he already fucked up your whole lap. You're screwed. And there's no way out of that at that point, because as soon as Ava is out, Nathan's fucked, because he's a dick. <laughs> he treats his AIs like oh shit. Oh, my gosh. Apparently, deliberately, because he wanted, like, in that conversation near the end oh, with yeah, Caleb, yeah, he's he basically he talking. Escape. Yeah. In order to try to escape, she had to use her imagination. She had to use her ability to flirt with you. She had to use sex. She had to use all this stuff to get you to do what she wants. What was the real test? You. Ava was a rat in a maze, and I gave her one way out. To escape, she'd have to use 
self-awareness, imagination, manipulation, sexuality, empathy, and she did. Now, if that isn't true AI, what the fuck is? So he wanted this to happen. So in a way, if they're both AIs, Caleb and Ava, good job, Nathan. But he's dead. Now that's interesting because. But he doesn't get to benefit from it. Yeah, that's interesting because I was thinking the one thing that Ava's missing is like empathy. She 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 can't feel for the other person in a meaningful way that would stop her from, I don't know, locking them in a cabin for the rest of their life. You know, maybe. But then Caleb is overly empathetic because he's you know feeling for her being locked in there and he falls into that kind of trap of wanting to save her so i would say empathy but it looks like if if caleb is an ai he's already worked or he's already figured out empathy yeah it it comes down to a question as well of why does she lock him in at the end there's a very simple reason why she might do it but it depends what she thinks the result is going to be she doesn't know kyoko exists Caleb has not told her that there's another AI stuck in this house when they're talking about escaping. Caleb has made no effort to save this other robot. Okay. And when she meets Kyoko and talks to her, and Kyoko clearly also doesn't like being there because she's the one who stabs Nathan, I think she, Ava, would hold that against Caleb. But that's only if he's a human. Yeah. But if he's an AI, does she know? Like, has she figured it out? And it comes down to these, like, Multiple questions that all kind of, it's like a catch-22 thing where you can't answer the one question without answering the other one, but you have to, which is something I love about the movie. There's also a cruelty to what she does, too, because she could have locked him in the house where he could have had access to food, water, you know, eventually calling somebody maybe to get out to to help him or whatnot. But no, she just locks him in the room where he's basically just going to starve to death and die quickly. Yeah, because he's stuck in, like, off the side of the hall. Yeah. Not the main area. Or he might have had a chance. Yeah. The glass to the outside balcony might have been easier to break. Right. The glass on those inner doors, we've already seen footage. <laughs> One of the AIs tried to break it and it it shattered her arms instead. Yeah. So that glass is pretty strong. He's not going to get out very easily. Oh, goodness. Unless he's an AI and he's going to live forever and he'll, or until his battery dies out. He'll be fine. Right. And then he'll just sit in there and he'll swap out batteries with the... Was he in the room with the other AIs? No, no. No, okay. He was in the room, like, across the hall. I'm not sure what room he's actually in, because it's across the hall by the entrance to going upstairs. Right. It might even be his bedroom. I'm not sure. So, what do you think the deal is with the masks on the wall? Part Well, part of it, I don't, I don't know. It's interesting that the last one is essentially... I don't know if it's exactly her face, but it's right, close. Right, it's pretty close. So, it's like this final version. It depends... That comes down to like a thematic thing of like AI wearing masks as humans or humans wearing masks to be each other, which is just more of the what you could take the movie and go off on tangents about is like how we pretend to be something in order to. Such a great movie. <laughs> so much to unpack. It's like one of my favorite conversations is when he asks, uh, when Nathan asks Caleb, like, what's your type? And he's like, say, let's, say, let's say it's black chicks. Did you go through a detailed, like, al- like figuring out an algorithm and all this stuff? And I'm like, well, yeah, he did. It just took him his entire lifetime to do it. Right. And it's just a really slow algorithm. That's literally how the brain works, <laughs> you know? I mean, he didn't do it consciously, but yes, we're, we program ourselves and society programs us. Other people program us. Yeah. That's why, I, yeah, when watching it again, I'm like, yeah, I have to do this movie. And I have to claim it now just to make sure no one else does it. 
I don't want to just be a guest, <laughs> but I, but then I have too many. The other one, we're, the other one we're covering today, I already have social media for that one as a movie by minutes because I've been trying to, I've been wanting to do it since last year. Oh yeah, that's another one that would be ton of ton to unpack in that. And then the room minute is taking too long. Well, uh, speaking of that, do you want to move on to that one? How about we call it an episode about Ex Machina and you tell the audience where they can hear more of you? All right, that sounds great to me. Uh, again, my name's Thomas Howith. Check out uh, Never Any Minute if you're looking for another Minute by Minute podcast where we covered the never ending story one minute at a time, me and Tierney Steele. That was quite exciting and such a great, another great movie. This was one from my childhood, of course, but it meant a lot to me and, and doing the show ended up meaning even more to me. So, uh, I love that. It's got a, a deep, wonderful place in my heart now. And then, as I mentioned before, uh, Crit Storm cast where we play D and D. It's an interesting mix of people that I've met throughout my life. All the way from my childhood to my current adulthood. And I've just picked up friends along the way. And somehow we all got together and now we're playing D&D together. So nice. it's been fun and it's a it's a great story. We're currently 32 episodes in. So nice. plenty of backlog if you, if you want something to, to keep you busy. Well, I've, I've learned in quarantine I don't listen to podcasts anymore. Oh, I know. I have that problem too. Except I'm still working. So. Because- I always listen to him in the car. Yeah. <laughs> on the days I don't. I have nowhere to go. Don't work. I'm, I'm getting behind. So I'm behind on everything on podcasts right now other than making some. I'm ahead on recording. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been Cock and Bull Minute, a Tristram Shandy story. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cock Bull Minute. Or find us in the Facebook listeners group, Cock and Bull Pub. Find more content at lemmingdrops.com.